Welcome to Industry 4.0. Hey guys, welcome to Industry 4.0. Um, it is Sunday, the 5th of November. This is episode 26. Uh, I'm joined beautifully enough by a full party today. How is everybody doing this morning? Hello, hello, hello. Morning. <laughs> doing amazing, everyone. Everyone's nice still drinking their coffees yeah. and energy drinks. Nice so. and caffeinated. Oh, yeah. 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 So we have a bit of a slower week in news, but still plenty of stuff to talk about for um, for this show. So we have a little bit of news about Google, a little bit of news for Amazon, some stuff with Logitech, and some more important news on, on Twitter and, and some Apple stuff. So uh, to jump right in to the topic, I was going to preface the beginning of the show with welcome to I4O, home of the I4O show. May I take your order? But <laughs> I couldn't get that together enough for an actual intro. But the reason why that was going to be the intro was Google is serving employees a real version of their burger emoji, which sparked a bit of controversy on Twitter last week featuring cheese below the, the patty. Um, I'm curious as to your guys' thoughts on this abomination to burgers everywhere. <laughs> as as the Irvin, please, please, oh, you go first. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right, as, as the podcast's resident fat man, I need to tell you how how much of an abomination to food this was. I mean, it's who has ever ever thought, hmm, let's put the cheese on the bun directly. No. You let it melt over the patty like a normal human being. I don't understand. But clearly, this is the thing I've been most passionate about since we started this podcast 27 <laughs> weeks ago. But the, listen, I get why you did it. You don't need to make it real. Obviously, <laughs> no one needs this, to is, see that. this is just another example of how disconnected Silicon Valley is from the rest of the world. <laughs> putting, putting cheese under the patty. This is ridiculous. I, I, this is an abomination. This is worse than Equifax. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> I have to mute now. Thank you. <laughs> so it's just something that was that was funny, and I thought that we and, cover it. Uh, they actually served it to their employees. Yeah, and Google actually also doesn't understand how beer works. I don't know if you guys saw that you're the beer. No. The beer emoji has it's a regular like giant mug, the German style, whatever mug. But uh, there's foam up at the top, like beer foam. Mm -hmm. But it's the glass is only half full. <laughs> so how's the foam filling over the top when the glass is only half full? They just don't know how to pour beer. <laughs> this is not all empty. Like I said, man, these, these it's too foamy just... and airy. That's a... <laughs> so out of touch with reality, they just don't know how the real world operates. Stuck in their cubicles all day. Yeah. And speaking of serving things without toppings, Google's not shipping their Pixel 2 without the OS, which is the final topping on any cell phone. So <laughs> they're <laughs> they're I don't understand how this happens, but um, this is, from my experience with Google, this is no different than the shipping circus that they had last year with the original Pixel. They're finally shipping them in good quantity, and, they, and they're able to keep up with most of the orders, but they're, some of these phones are being shipped with issues. Like for this one, no operating system in the phone. And I, I understand that it's hard to get shipping processes down, and Google's come out with an official statement excuse me, saying that this is this is fixed going forward, but it it is a little bit 
kind of a, a kick in the face when you have problems, other issues that they're going through in the, in the press. And I know yeah. you guys talked about it in the last episode, and I was curious to hear your thoughts on this. This entire Pixel 2 thing is just for some, I don't know who it is, if it's Google or um, LG um, not doing their part on the QC before these phones are getting shipped out. Like there's a combination of this, the operating system not being there, uh, mm -hmm. as well as all the previous ones we mentioned in the last episode. Um, I'm not I'm not sure who's at fault. Is it is it LG or Google, uh, or it's a combo of both? Uh, but cool. it does seem like if if Google's trying to make a play into the hardware, right? They went all in on making going on in their last event on hardware, right? Making their own phones making their own devices. They have to get this nailed down or else the press is just going to eat them up next time as well. Yeah. Like gonna, even though the issue might not be so widespread as you might, it might seem, right? <laughs> Most people, I, th I assume, uh, just by talking to Jeff, are happy with their Pixel 2 Excels. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but um, the press will, if they screw this up again, it's just going to be a... a crazy i have a a couple of points on that and, and one of them is a bit of me playing devil's advocate kind of in the favor of these articles but um when you look at the back of the box when you get one of these pixels it says made by google so that's immediately who everybody's going to blame regardless of whether lg is actually responsible for the hardware failures because google's branding it um sure. but uh also just like to play a little bit of devil's advocate um it's a little bit kind of almost ridiculous to have so many QC issues with a phone that costs a thousand dollars. People are paying a thousand dollars, and the, they, what they expect is a phone that's going to work. Then, if it's right. going to be shipped without an OS, it's kind of a smear in the reputation of that company and may kind of push them away, especially if they were also a victim of the shipping issues last year. Then that's two straight years of problems for, for someone looking for an upgrade path. But I mean, Mistakes happen, and the phone's not exploding yet, so we don't, we don't have we don't have a Note Seven I issue on our end. Plenty of places, like guys, stop freaking out about the Pixel XL two. Samsung had a literally a phone that was blowing up, and they turned out fine. So right. call now. Yeah, like so it's, it's not it's like a big deal. Twitter all over, like you Google got to take this phone back. They get a refund every single person who bought the Pixel two XL because all of these issues. It's like guys, just and like they're trying to get a class action lawsuit going on things you guys hear about that like the things that are victim of literally every phone with an amoled panel since the note 5 or since the s5 like <laughs> literally every phone since the, it has an amoled panel has had burn-in issues and if you hold it at some like like if you hold it at some 20 degree angle and i don't know anybody who uses their phone at a 20 degree angle or less they're like oh you, the pixels turn blue and it's like okay <laughs> when are you gonna see that like I don't under, it's people are blown away out of proportion, and it's a little bit, like it, it irks me a little bit, rubs me the wrong way. I don't like it. Now I completely understand that too, but to put you know you were playing devil's advocate to go the other way. Mm -hmm. I mean it's, it's another example of, of companies, and I talked about this last week. Cal, it's not just phones; it's everybody who who's in tech. You see it with consoles all the time, phones all the time, and. It, Everybody wants to hit that date or beat that that other mm -hmm. that competitor, and the QC goes. The quality just goes down. It's just going to when you 
put a date out a year to however long it is ahead of time to let people know, or at least internally, you set that date mm-hmm. and you feel like you need to hit that date. You're going to do everything you can to hit that date because you right. know that you can fix it afterwards. And the issue becomes, well, if you took an extra month, would you have had these issues? Would you have gotten the bad press? No, you probably would have gotten, oh my God, look at how how great of a release it was. You don't set that date. You can, I mean, it sucks, but you can surprise people like, hey, you know what? They're ready for pre-order right now because we know that it's good to go. Like make an announcement, hey, next week or this coming Saturday, that's when we're going to have the pre-orders up because it's finally ready to go instead of rushing your product out. And of course you, you, you play... You have to look at it from both sides. The investors want to know ahead of time when they can expect these dividends to come in, when they can expect the money to start flowing in. You owe it to them to give them some sort of leeway, and you always run the risk of that leaking. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's people have gotten in this mode of we need to release when we feel like people are going to want it or when we can maximize or whatever date we set internally. We can't uh, stray from that. Well, it's – when you start running into major issues like this, and like you said, last year you had a similar problem, that's when you need to reevaluate. And do we need to set these dates so far in advance? Can we take the extra week, two weeks, month right. to make sure that we're not dealing with these problems afterwards? Right. And I completely agree with that. And also to kind of um, segue and continue off of what you're saying, literally, I, I'm, I can't remember like a single release in tech that has not had issues in the very beginning. Like, the, there was problems with going as far back as like Xbox 360s and all the way back to like DVD players and like just literally every piece of tech. The first run, everyone says, wait a little bit. Wait until they get the problem solved because there's going to be issues right as it releases. So like it's almost expected. And the fact that um, tech journalists like across the board are reporting on these incredibly vague and obscure issues is like it takes away from what otherwise is a fantastic phone. Yep. I mean... JBuds has it, and I have the smaller version, and neither of us have had any issues. I've only had one of the problems that was listed on all of these articles, and I had to. And the only reason why I, I heard it was because of a tech article. That's the only reason why I thought to look for it. Yep. <laughs> like, otherwise, was, I would have never noticed it. It was exactly. the clicking in the earpiece mm-hmm. from the NFC chip. Whenever you hold the phone up to your face, you can hear a small click in like a very in like a room. But like, I don't care. If I'm most times that any ambient noise will drown that out. Um, so. kind of touching on what Kyle was saying with rushing these, what seems like rushing these products to market. Um, I think it's largely based around the competition with Apple, you know, like how mm-hmm. close their release dates were. Um, yeah, right. you want, you want to be riding that wave of what people are excited about. Um, the Android versus iOS people, that's an ongoing, you know, I guess you could say battle between the fanboys, the fan clubs of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so each one wants to brag and say, yeah, I got this phone. You're still on the iPhone seven. Um, mm-hmm. and then the companies themselves, you know, they want to outdo each other. So, yeah. I mean, like you said, Matt, I don't think it's worth like posting all these articles about these little indiscrepancies. Yeah. Uh, I do yeah. think, uh, people are fishing a bit for bad press to put out. And yeah, uh, I saw an article fanboys for like every major manufacturer out there. So they're going to smear things whenever there's a glitch or a little hiccup. And when there's, when there's so many tech journalists out there and tech bloggers, you need to find something to write about every single day. So it's, they're going to overhype something just to get that article out, just to get those clicks. So I saw a thread on Reddit the other day of um, one of the people who were highlighting some of the screen issues on the two XL. And 
they were like, um, oh, if you have it at this screen, like he was like, I'm not seeing the, the burn in or the retention issue on the screen. And the first reply was like, oh, how about you try setting it to an all gray wallpaper and then turning your brightness down to 20%. And it's like, who's going to do that at Why all? Would you, <laughs> who's going to like be like, oh, is my annual turn my phone down to 20% brightness and set a gray wallpaper and look for burn in round table? Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Like who's that's gonna uh, that? that's going to be our mini episode this week is yeah is how, is how to make sure that you can uh, you regularly change your brightness to twenty percent and welcome to and the fine. industry four point episode where we place every phone in a Faraday chamber and look for all possible issues. <laughs> uh, I have volunteered to sacrifice my phone and go without comp communications for the foreseeable future. Yes, yeah, just for less. <laughs> These are the best gray wallpapers out there. They are. <laughs> Want to see some burning? I mean, Here you go. <laughs> logistically it's got to be a challenge to have two different hardware manufacturers on one one phone release i mean yeah. that's got to be a nightmare in itself you always got to anticipate there's going to be <laughs> difficulties encountered mm -hmm. but the other thing is i want to know if there's like some kind of if if these hardware manufacturers that make other cell phones especially like lg they feel some kind of way that google's just like oh we're just going to take a chunk of htc and make our own hardware now mm -hmm. like these giants and we're not going to focus on little guys we're going to focus on apple we're going to go right after the big fish Mm -hmm. Little guys are out there going. Wait a minute, <laughs> we've been here first, you know. Yeah, yeah. I want to see next year's pixels too, because that's going to be, um, that's going to be kind of the telling sign on where they're taking it as a company. Because now, like you said, they do have that entire division of HTC's best mobile development team. So, mm. seeing if it's going to be completely owned in house will be something that would be good to track and how that goes for a phone release next year. It might help them with not encountering these problems. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and we uh, all know HTC made great phones. Yeah. So, but moving right along, as we could probably go on about the, we could probably rant about that all day. Um, Jeff Bezos cashed out on quite a bit of money. Um, he was selling his stock um, as he does annually, and he just so happened to cash out on a billion dollars this time. Um, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of walking around money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you mentioned this last week, but he recently became the richest man in the world, surpassing uh, Bill Gates. Oh, um, man. And that, Zuckerberg. Yes. Well, Zuckerberg, has, he's been kind of up there, but not. Yeah. Well, he's the richest under a certain age bracket, I think, is how that yeah. works. Mm -hmm. But um, it's also worth noting he doesn't really have any kind of foundation that Bill Gates has. So. I yeah. wonder if, if Bill Gates' money wasn't sunk into the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation if yes. he would pass yeah. it. So Bill Gates pledged to give, I think, away 98% of his wealth mm -hmm. uh, by the time he passes away mm -hmm. uh, to yeah to charities or uh, just give it out, right? Um, yeah. I don't know if, if Jeff Bezos is part of the same group because a lot of the CEOs joined that pledge. Um, I know Facebook uh mark zuckerberg did as well um but yeah well the rich get well, richer it'll be interesting to see how much of it goes into the article brings up a point at the end of the article talking about um they're wondering if he may pour some of this into blue origin his rocket company yeah um, that would be an interesting thing so he may look maybe he's, he's not that old jeff bezos so he may as far as ceos of multi-billion dollar companies go i feel like he could easily take that money and just pour it into his own assets until he gets to a certain point and then go into philanthropy because that seems to be the route that a lot of these ceos are taking 
kind of taken that type of route, but I don't know. Those guns, though. <laughs> yeah, from that, that picture, right? That, that picture of him from the 90s. Did you see that, that split photo of him in the 90s yeah. and him today? Like that, that's, yeah. It just perfectly summarizes that whole change. It went from yeah. selling books to selling whatever the F he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good meme. That was so good. But um, that was just uh, just a quick touch on that. And he's making a billion dollars on one cash out. I, I could use a bit of figures. Can I just point something out really quick? What's that? You guys have that article up that we're referencing. Mm-hmm. Why in the world does he need a name tag? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if you zoom in, it says Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Really? Okay. It's like, oh, who's Jeff Bezos? Oh, you see that Terminator-looking guy walking around? Yeah, you see yeah, that guy with like, in, like in 50s. case anybody's only seen the '90s photo. It's that like, guy is no, me now. <laughs> that guy's literally surrounded it's if you by get security guards. From those guns, you can take a look at the name tag and remind yourself who you're looking. For. <laughs> uh, oh, just man. had to say. Yeah, but um. To move on from Jeff Bezos, we have a little bit of stuff to talk about with Logitech. I know, Jeff, you were kind of excited about this. Yes. Um, their VR keyboard kit so you can type in virtual reality. I don't I mean, know if you wanted to go on a little bit about this or not, but it's um, made. It's going to be through Vive, right? The HTC, yeah, HTC Vive VR mm-hmm. headset using a keyboard yeah, tracking disk. It's in uh, proof of concept mode, so only a handful of developers are um, working with this right now. Um, but basically, the idea is to let you use a keyboard in VR. Um, and I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. I remember kind of dreaming about some kind of projector-based keyboard when I was a little younger. And now we're getting to a point where with a- where AR and VR are going. Um, it's looking more and more like this is becoming possible and probable even. Mm-hmm. Um with things like the wireless headsets that we've been talking about in recent episodes, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where just the personal computer world and I guess electronics in general are headed with uh you know the advent of technology like this. When you get to um you know, kind of, kind of going on a tangent here, but when you get to electronic systems where maybe you need to use like um, controls or joysticks, wheels, things like that, and now that can be accomplished using things like VR and AR, mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to completely redefine the field and how operators uh, perform their duties as well as people and, on their PCs. Right. And this could also be the first kind of break into like a workspace type of mm-hmm. environment where you can set up your own workstation. And since you can see your keyboard, you can still function, <laughs> like see your desk while you actually work. Yeah. So, and until they get something like gloves, so you can see your fingers and your hands typing on the keyboard, then it might be a little bit of a, a learning curve to it. Since you'd have, so right now all you have are the controllers that have all the sensors in them. But I don't think we're far off from the first VR headset with like gloves yeah, or even just a new controller for the vibe, just being a pair of gloves. So, I mean, why not? Is it, right? How's it tracking? Is it tracking individual, the finger movements by an, an, another sensor or I'm, 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 so, I'm trying to look, I don't see anything on the actual tracking of it or is it you have to get the special keyboard with that bridge? Uh, it looks like it's only just the disc that comes with that. 
yeah the special keyboard yeah well um, it apparently like tracks your actual keyboard and presents that in vr ah uh, okay yeah so right. it's so it basically just help... it reflects that into vr so you know what your it kind of just shows you your keyboard based on this disc so that you can type while you have the headset on even though you can't see your actual keyboard that's my understanding of it right now yeah, it just um, puts the keyboard in its actual physical location in front of you. Right. So it's not like your... it's not like a virtual keyboard where there is no physical one yet. Yeah. Um, but that's where yeah. I'd like to see it head personally. Yeah. Once you can get it to see the hands, it'd be cool if it had some kind of infrared that it projected over top of the keyboard so you could see your fingers resting on the keys. That would um, be kind of cool. Because I know if if for um. The Oculus, or it works on the HTC Vive as well, but you can get um, uh, call something the, called Leap Motion, not Leap Motion, so something like that. Leap Motion, I think, is the, what it's called. Um, it's an external sensor, and now they make it work with Oculus that lets you uh, track your hands in real time in a VR game, so individual finger movements and everything. Um, it's separate from a controller. Um, so I was wondering if it used the same type of. I don't think they go into that. I think this is just focused on the keyboard. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't see any mention of it, at least. So. But, yeah, that's it's interesting news, and it's good to see kind of VR and AR kind of blending in order to kind of get to this point where because you're gonna. I think you're going to need AR elements in VR if it's going to be successful. Kind mm -hmm. of like how. With the HTC Vive, there's a camera built into the front of it, so you can see your keyboard, so or you can see like your in area around you in such a way. So I, it's a, it's another step in in the direction of making VR more like less difficult for people to use while not like crashing and falling over their desk. Right, it's kind of blending the two AR and VR with stuff like this mm -hmm. too. It's, yeah, because I don't think nice. VR as it stands is going to be successful until AR can be fused into it. Right. Kind of make people a little bit more comfortable. I think we, you and I kind of went into detail about that that a couple yeah. weeks back, several weeks back. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. It's and kind of, kind of, I mean, uh, a humorous side comment. I was talking about VR yesterday. Um, I was with a friend mm -hmm. who had a PlayStation VR and he was hit rocket league up and i was saying i was waiting for the day where you can play vr in rocket league and you get to be the ball oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god get hit around and react to people i would just within minutes i would be throwing up on the floor <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I couldn't do it it'd be cool though to like actually um to play any game where if it's like a third person type game it just puts you above the character in the world so you can still look around but like you're in you're in the space like it's not like you're just playing with a tv in front of you or something like that that would be cool yeah, like the, and redefining third person games mm -hmm. yeah that'd be yeah. cool yeah but yeah um i don't know if anybody has anything they wanted to remark on that but we do have some interesting news that happened with twitter uh coming up a little wanna, bit a little bit if you want to drag our segue agonizingly into the next topic <laughs> um but going on that though just to move into it uh trump's twitter account was deactivated which is interesting to say the least but 
What's that? Eleven minutes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, that can be. A, a, and we were talking about this a bit on the the pre-show on kind of the implication of this because this is the president's account. It and it was the real Donald Trump account. It wasn't the the POTUS account. So there's a distinction there, but the fact that you can just kind of at a whim take down the leader of the country's primary communication account is it can set a dangerous implication. I don't know if you want to go down that route this that route for the conversation, but I'm curious on to your guys' thoughts on on how this went down. Seemed as a bit of a benign article, but you can you can see a bit of a more dangerous implication around it. Yeah. Yeah. Um Urban, you want to go ahead or do you want me to jump in? I mean, uh, Twitter has been warned internally of by employees that this type of privilege is available to quite a high number of uh, Twitter employees and also third-party contractors uh, within the company. And it looks like the the person who uh, took the Twitter account down was a third-party contractor. Um and a lot of those contractors are located in the Philippines and Singapore. Um, so pretty much if anyone who has uh, this type of uh, privilege within the Twitter system, they, and they can suspend any account. So if someone go, wants to go rogue, which happened here, um, they can do that if they have the right privileges. So Twitter's, Twitter in the statement said they put in safeguards uh, to prevent this from happening again in the future. Um, this isn't the first time this happened either. Um, it happened to uh, past accounts uh, as well, not just this isn't the first instance of it. Right. And, it's my uh, understanding this wouldn't be possible for the POTUS account. Yeah, it sounds... For, I'm pretty sure there's certain rules and regulations around official government accounts on social media. And I think those do have exemptions built into the company. To prevent them from having these actions taken on them but so it's, it's not the one he tweets on every day <laughs> that's so. kind of what i was getting <laughs> gonna say is if if it's like his main form of communication is not the official government one and you hold a position of power like that where people are actively reading what you have to say from that medium um and it is you know a non-government affiliated company like twitter um you know, any system can be compromised. So when you have that kind of, uh, you know, voice and you have that kind of audience, I think it's kind of a, a risk, risky business to, you know, allow someone to speak on serious matters through that platform when it is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah. seeing, you know, how a rogue employee that works for Twitter didn't involve any hacking or anything could just take away the account. I think that um, the account being compromised in some way, I'm sure it's being watched for, but could have some serious implications if it were to happen. The president should have some kind of like super cookie that follows him around. And any account that he is currently using at that time should not be able to be taken down much in the similar way of like any plane he's in is Air Force One at that time. Like right. any Twitter account he is, is Tweet Force One or something along those lines. <laughs> the super cookie, the new Air Force One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tweet Force One, Donald Trump, commandeering <laughs> every account. Must it's always like, be paired. I need with your this. phone. I need to tweet something. Must always be paired with a glass of super milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but I could, uh, th there should be something like that. Like they take um, whichever account that he's posting to more and that becomes his official account regardless because it is the president. So I don't know. That's just a thought. Congress, I, th I, I just think a, a way to limit it in the future. And I, I don't know what kind of uh, things they have around, like you said, uh, the official government account the official POTUS account, but what some former employees uh, recommended is like, it, yeah, you, if say he say that same ha uh, account that he was using were to get hacked, you need people to have access to it to shut it down real quick. Um, so you do kind of have to, uh, you know, toe that line. Um, but I, I think that limiting the amount of people, maybe not allowing third-party contractors to have access to such an important account, like we said, even though it's not the official POTUS one, make sure a limited amount of people have access, but 24-7 covered, so you have to, you know, probably multiple countries, and high, high, severe penalties uh, for anybody who, who does something like this in the future, just because it is such an important medium for us at, this, at the moment. Right. right. That's how we get our news from the president. Even his Facebook just reposts the tw the tweets that he's done, so that's it. Yeah. Um, yes. It's, there's not too much to say on that topic, but um, I know we had a certain order of our articles. I'm gonna kind of switch it up a little here. Um, right. There's been an investigation by the Associated Press on how Russia hacked the DNC's emails. Mm -hmm. um, so. Basically, it's come to light that this was completed through phishing emails, <laughs> um, which were sent to around 130 party employees and supporting staff. Um, not just one batch of emails, uh, as you might assume, but this is a repeated attempt where basically um, those who were trying to hack the DNC were making themselves look like they were Google and saying, hey, change your password, make it more secure then you get routed to a site that's not really owned by Google. And, um, you know, with, with repeated efforts like this, where they're going to more and more, um, I guess, higher power rungs of the DNC ladder, um, eventually they got far enough up the chain where they sent an email to the campaign chairman, who's John Podesta, uh, with a malicious link that was clicked on and gave access to around 50,000 of his emails. <laughs> um, it's in the end, it, it reminds me, I think we've, we've talked about it before. There's this picture of, um, and it's like a boxing ring. And in one corner you have like crazy, like hardware and like tech and security and all these signs where it says like uh, internet security, firewalls and all that. And then it says um, in the other corner you have Bob and it just says end user on his shirt. And it's like, no matter how much stuff you have, it's all it takes is one end user to just be a victim of a phishing attack and you can get access to all the systems. Yep. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Social yeah. engineering is, is huge. It's sometimes bigger than actual like hacking, trying to get people to trust you, give you access and like getting uh, even physical access. I'm fascinated by that stuff, trying to, trying to trick people into uh clicking on certain things um to gain access to get the passwords and things or that's why i second guess all of your links 
<laughs> it does happen a lot. I mean, recently I was staying in a hotel and I got a phone call and said, Hey, this is the hotel front desk. Uh, we lost your reservation info, so we have to rebill it. Uh, can you confirm your billing address and your name and all this email? I was like, oh, I'm going to come down to the front desk. They're like, oh, never mind, never mind. Turns out it was a scammer on the phone. So, oh, like, this nice. this is happening in all different kinds of forms, everybody. Beware. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of um, scary, man. It is. So, don't yeah. be careful who you're trusting on the phone. You know, if you can, try and get uh, a, another form of validation of who you're talking to. And, you know, especially when you're out and about like that. Like, yeah, secure information. Just... Oh, man. Um, and, and that's more physical security than cybersecurity, man. That's, yeah. that's dangerous. This, yeah. these, uh, these email leaks, the phishing attempts happened, um, in March, 2016. Uh, it didn't, it wasn't until later in April that the DNC realized there was a breach. So that's, you know, at least a month that they went not knowing they were compromised. Yeah. It's a long time. It is. Um, and lots of things can be done with the information it's gained, you know, it's, you're not getting it back at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, I love not... the names of these hacking groups too. Um, <laughs> the one is the DNC. The article says uh, to directly quote it: "The DNC publicly accused Fancy Bear as a <laughs> Russian-backed group that broke into their systems, and the hacker was Guccifer 2.0, which uh, I know Guccifer was known for other hacks in the past, but." These names, man. <laughs> I wonder if they make them ridiculous just because they know they're going to be in news articles. Where it's yeah. like the DNC yeah. versus Fancy Bear. <laughs> I mean, I would trust him even though I got from Fancy Bear. So, yeah, they clearly. I mean, it's, it's he's a fancy bear. You can't be made out of him. It's not just yeah. your average bear. He's cuddly fancy. and lovable. It's like Winnie the Pooh's really nice fancy cousin. You know, you it's the it. animal equivalent of a tuxedo T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but Anyways. it doesn't. It, that that shouldn't take away from what actually happened. It's still bad yeah. that people are. Like, but it's just. It comes down to we need we need more training on people to like take fishing courses because it happens everywhere. It happens to every company. Same thing with WannaCry. It started off as a phishing attempt for half of those companies. Yep. Um, yeah, it's looking. Yeah, it doesn't no matter how powerful you are, how much security you have, you got to be careful. You got to know what to, what to look for, because this is, you know, details small as getting rerouted to a website that's not what you thought it was, and not noticing, and you're clicking away, and what have you, entering a new password. Um, so, there, yeah, I think I think the public in general should brush up on their, uh, you know, knowledge of phishing schemes and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to something like politics uh where it determines essentially the fate of our country it's a huge deal and you really 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 need to be aware of these kind of things yeah i posted that uh that cartoon in the twitch chat too so anybody who's watching the stream can check that out and it was just i thought it was something i thought was very relevant to this but <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> He's facing the wrong way too. It's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this shirt just says human error. But um, so yes. What's that? No, just I'm just kind of moving forward. Um, we have a, a topic that's not really closely related to what we've been talking to, but kind of just an interesting, uh, you know, nugget of information uh, regarding technology to close out cool the first half. Yeah. Um, so. Researchers uh, have used subatomic particles to find 
uh, mysterious structure inside of Giza's Great Pyramid. Um, so they're calling it the Big Void, and it's approximately 100 feet long. But um, essentially, they're, they're trying to find ways to avoid boring holes and drilling, etc., into ancient structures like this um, to explore them because you're basically going to ruin them in the process. Um, so it's above what the, it's called the Grand Gallery, which is, uh, it connects two large rooms inside the pyramid, uh, which are called the Queen's Chamber and King's Chamber. So this was done by tracking particles, which are called muons. Um, I didn't even know these existed. I've heard of them. I didn't really read up on them until I saw this news. Um, but yeah, when apparently cosmic rays come in, um, you know, they, they're permeating our universe. And when they come down uh, through the atmosphere, they break down and make like what's described in this article as subatomic confetti uh, that rains down on Earth at approximately the speed of light. Um, so basically, they can drift easily um, through objects like stone. So by seeing how they travel, uh, you can detect gaps in spaces in structures like the pyramid. Um, and it's been, it's compared to x-rays for how you can look at when you break a bone or something like that. Um, so this is really cool, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I think you could do a lot with this kind of technology. What do you guys think? Yeah, even for replacing x-ray, this could be incredible technology. Just even, like, the fact that this exists is, like, insane enough to me. Like, muons, like, these phase article like these particles that can pass through walls and stuff and air like not only is it there but like the fact that we figured out how to detect them is like crazy mind-blowing yeah mean, yeah it's yeah. nuts and it looks like they said they've already used this technology to look at the nuclear reactors in fukushima mm. so it's already being put to practical use yeah the, the the tough part for me is i mean i know how cool this is but the tough part for me to get behind is that if this does reveal what they think it's revealing and it's like a, an internal purpose, you know, purposely built to help build the pyramid itself, it's just going to shut down so many of these crazy conspiracy theorists and all these crazy shows on Discovery Channel. It's, I mean, we're going to miss out on a huge piece of media and and the world, really. I mean, you're just going to start shutting down all these alien theorists and it's a... Uh, it's going to be a disappointing day in America for when that happens. I really do believe it's Hey, hey man, I see where you're going with this, but this is, this is low resolution uh, technology at the moment. If they get in the HD, you never know. You might like zoom in and see ET winking at you in there. Maybe I'll right. just, you know, prove hey. everyone right. Yeah. It's going to have some range. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe aliens are just chilling in there. Like, yo, we, it's nice in here. It's nice and cool. We like it cool. <laughs> It's cold out in space. You ain't never been there. They found our stash, man. They found our stash. (laughs) You see one dude put his hand up to the camera like. (laughs) No pictures, please. No pictures. Meanwhile, Giorgio is like sweating profusely, like worried about ancient aliens being shut down. (laughs) (laughs) Trying quickly to look for a pivot. But that being said, it is really cool. I mean, if you're into this kind of stuff, the biggest worry has always been like, are we disturbing the way these things should still be? Um, I mean, just looking at obviously the pyramid itself, not looking at future uses or potential future uses. I mean, it's just really cool to see us finally getting to a point where we don't have to disturb history to learn about it, which is like, it's, I'm not into all history, but things like this are really, really cool. If you really want to go deep dive on it, you can just get like your head is just overwhelmed with information and cool ideas and conspiracy Mm -hmm. theories, the whole nine. I mean, it's, 
it really gets you thinking about how life was before all the things that we're talking about, all the things that we love today. So it's um, for anybody interested, you know, it's, it's a huge piece of technology to help us uh, learn more about the world before we knew it. And even like you're saying, like non-invasive form of exploring ruins, then having this technology enables that when you do find something to minimize the damage that you cause in order to explore it. If you wanted to say like they could, they could drill a small pipe to it and just send a drone up through it to check it out. Yeah, exactly. Instead of clearing out a huge section of the interior and having people explore it. So I think that could be some pretty cool tech going forward for like, yeah, like you're saying, minimizing damage to ancient structures. How and cool if it can help with x-rays, I get a lot of those. So that would be awesome too. <laughs> yeah. So. How cool would it be if they developed something where it could pass through like the ground? So instead of like excavating, you could look for fossils and things like that with subatomic particles. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could look for water under underground. If you're, if you're colonizing Mars, supposedly, you know, you could look for the other types of elements yeah. <laughs> underground. Yeah. And if you had a powerful enough sensor, do you think you could x-ray entire planets? Maybe with this technology, oh, like yeah, how far does this thing pass through stuff? Like, <laughs> right, what's the range on could, these instruments? You know, drop it around the entire planet, and they yeah. all kind of merge together in the yeah. That'd be cool. I think it would, would be, be detecting the nuances from a large distance that would be difficult with that, like because these are everywhere in the universe. So basically, what it's saying is, you know, you you see how they behave. That's how you can tell what's in the pyramid. It'd be really yeah. hard to do that with like a insanely powerful telescope on a planet yeah. far away but and even if this goes as far as replacing x-ray it's it's a non-radioactive way of checking bone health and yeah seeing the inside of people for health issues what i really want to know is can this technology cook my hot pocket <laughs> <laughs> it's on its way brother it's on its way <laughs> one way to find out yeah i need my pop tart toasted please send help that you're gonna have the <laughs> You're going to have the first Muon-powered microwave. <laughs> Dream big, boys. Dream big. <laughs> I really hope they call the first high-powered sensor Muana. <laughs> Muon Rouge? Muana. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we should stop before we get ahead of ourselves too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, any, uh, any closing notes from anybody? Giorgio from Ancient Aliens, your days are numbered. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my final notes are even if you're uh, in power, security is important. And, um, you know, uh, death to the alien conspiracy theorists about Egypt. That's it. Yeah. It was nice knowing you guys. I'm so better myself. <laughs> but um, with that being said, I think that brings an end to the first half. So, um you guys stick around. We'll be getting ready for the second half in a little bit. Um, this has been Industry 4.0, and see you guys later.
Hey, everybody out there. Thank you for coming back for the second half. This is episode 26 of Industry 4.0. Still, everybody's surviving for the second half. Got a full squad still holding it down for you. If you're watching live on Twitch this early Sunday morning, um, for those not watching on Twitch and you want to watch us live, check out Industry 4.0 on Twitch. Just search it all spelled out. Industry, F-O-U-R-O-H. Um, we can also, you can, you can also, we can find us anywhere. You can find us also on multiple mediums, multiple streams. Uh, we are available on Google Play and iTunes in audio format. Uh, you can find links directly on Facebook and Twitter to both the videos afterwards and the podcast links. Uh, Facebook, we even have it embedded. You can watch the streams and the videos right there on Facebook. Uh, we are hosted on Podbean, so industry40.podbean.com. And we'll plug the rest, some awesome beats, some awesome side projects at the end. Any way you guys watch us, any guys way you guys bring us in, uh, it's always appreciated. One thing that's always appreciated is if you give us some feedback. So let us know what you guys are thinking, what topics you want us to talk about. If you like what we bring to the table, let us know. If you think we could be doing things better or talking about a wider range of stuff, make sure you let us know. Comment, subscribe, rate. The reviews really do matter. The rates really do matter. And it makes us feel good for these early Sunday shows that we're bringing you some stuff you love. So make sure you guys check us out as we merge the first half with this brand new second half, leading us into (laughs) a merge that didn't quite happen as people expected it to. T-Mobile and Sprint merger talks have officially ended. Uh, The companies weren't able to find mutually agreeable terms. Um, Anybody want to talk on this in more detail? Are you happy, sad, surprised, disappointed, anything uh, all and above, range of emotions? What are you guys thinking about this? Overall, positive. And much like a shot trying to get past the Kembe Matumbo, it was blocked. (laughs) (laughs) So I think this is a good news. Instead of going from a, would you call it a quadopoly to a triopoly? So I think that's, it's a it's a big step in antitrust, especially with the current FCC chairman as it stands. So it's good that this is. Just, I think it's a very sensible move. I'm I'm overall very happy with it. I feel the same way as I did when the AT and T T Mobile merger um, got shut down as well. Um, mm-hmm. Positive. I'm I was never a huge fan of of Sprint. Um. So I wasn't looking forward to if this was going to go through. I was like, what would that do to the? I mean, they would increase the subscriber count and, and try to give it more probably lever- leverage to compete with the bigger guys. Uh, but I, I I like what T-Mobile is doing by itself right now. Mm-hmm. That way not muddle up the waters with a merger and, and trying to bring that entire sprint system into the mix. It would be nice. And it looks like it was largely driven by T-Mobile. And the two companies have mutually decided that there just isn't enough benefit to to actually go through with this merge. Um, I don't I, I don't think it explicitly calls out if it was blocked by any organization or any congressional power. But if it had gone that far, I would have liked to have seen some kind of action where they did say, hey, this is an antitrust, because that's that's literally what it is. You have two of the four of the largest phone companies merging or phone providers. 
Yeah, I think for the FCC to, or FTC, Federal Trade Commission, to be involved, starting to be involved, the, the companies have to officially announce a merger or a plan to merge, yeah. which never happened. So um, they ne- it never got that far. Um, that's mm-hmm. what happened to the AT&T T-Mobile deal. So the mm-hmm. AT&T T-Mobile um, actually got announced. So like, yep, we plan on merging, got submitted to be approved by the governing agency. Um, and then it was turned down and uh, T-Mobile actually was smart in that case and put a clause in there in their contract to say if uh, the merger was not approved, uh, they would get a huge chunk of spectrum as well as uh, I think around $3 billion. I might be a little bit off on that, but it was quite a big chunk of change. Mm-hmm. Um so actually, T-Mobile made out really good in that failure of a deal uh, because they were smart enough to uh, put that into the contract and AT&T was dumb enough to uh, uh, agree to that for whatever reason. Actually gave that uh, denial of a deal, actually gave T-Mobile a lot of leverage, which got them, got them to where they are today. Uh, a lot of improvements, a lot of spectrum, a lot of cash to... Uh, do what they're doing, to how aggressively they're attacking the market, how attacking the big guys, and and uh, doing great at it. So um, that AT and T T Mobile deal failing was a good thing. I think the same thing, Sprint and T Mobile not merging, again is probably I I feel is good. I wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't the end though. Um, apparently, they were. Uh, um... You know, they they started these talks back in 2014. Then they fell off the table. Started again in May, I believe it was, um, the, earlier this year, springtime, uh, and uh, then they renewed again in September that they were really close on something. Um, the it, it's it, apparently people feel like Sprint is in desperate need of a merger of some sort, and apparently they've left the door open to do other. So like types of merges where it's not like a complete company merge, but they work on some things together. Certain aspects of the company might, might merge. Um, it's, I would not be surprised if, if soon sprint goes back to T-Mobile, like, Hey, you know, that, that, uh, that counter offer that we made, I'm sorry, the, the counter offer that you guys made, it's, it's sounding a lot, a lot better now, uh, if they continue to go in the direction they're going. So right. do you want as many providers out there as possible? Yeah. I mean, you don't want it to, to come down to just people buying out until there's one or two giants left. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not looking good for sprint apparently. So it's, I wouldn't be surprised to see these talks renewed again in the new year either. Yeah. When, when sprint, uh, sprints price goes down significantly, right. As, as they, as T-Bubble continues to do their thing, and, and improving their network and getting more subscribers and Sprint continues to decline that it's been going on recently. T-Mobile is just probably waiting for a cheaper price. And then when they're nice and cheap, they'll snatch them up. That's just how capitalism works. Yes. And hopefully that would drive Sprint to kind of pick up its slack and try to com- actually compete instead of just trying to sell itself off or to merge with other companies. Because that's what I think this industry needs. Um, they, they need more competition in the telecom provider space. Because look at what T-Mobile's been able to do to Verizon and AT&T. Now everybody offers unlimited data plans again. Albeit you get capped at a certain rate, but it doesn't. You don't get over like ridiculous overage fees and 
you don't get hit with all that stuff. It's just a data cap at a certain gigabyte limit. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been fantastic for anyone looking to get into that market where T-Mobile has their one plan and Sprint has their unlimited plans and now Verizon and AT&T do and they're all just it's it's competition. It's healthy. It's a good it's a good time to be looking for a big four telecom data plan because they're all good in their own regards. I mean, there are some issues with each one, but that's not what the point of this article is. Um, But I can walk back my Dikembe comment because that wasn't an actual block, but I would hope that this would be blocked going forward should this happen again. And I know the, I see that Kyle's doing the nod in my house (laughs) (laughs) finger wave. And um, it would be cool to see um, going forward because I saw at the end of the article that Sprint mentioned that they're in, in, in the summer, they are in the preliminary talks with Charter on a potential merge, which is a smaller um, telecom company. And it will be good to see some kind of official action from the FTC or the FCC on just a block. That would be the FTC, right? Who would block this yeah. type of merge? Yeah. So I would hope that they would see this as antitrust and block it. But we'll see going forward. Maybe we'll be reporting on this again when they come up with a revised offer a few months down the line. Side note. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, thought you were I was going to say, just like, like you guys have said earlier, I don't think this is the end of it. So, but yeah, go ahead. Side note. I still have and will prove it. I still have a Matumbo jersey. So, Oh, man. I will post pics of me swatting people. Uh, on the face. I don't know who I'm swatting, but I'll figure it out. Every time we do a live stream after something has been blocked by the FTC, you got to rock the jersey. <laughs> I'll just have it on the bed ready to go anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i i think that's a this is overall this is a good thing i'm i'm very happy when when large companies like this don't merge so we'll see going forward but um we do aside from this there's a a rather apple heavy bit of news that we have going forward um i don't know if you guys have seen this but now with the release of the iPhone 10, now they have to complete. The Apple has to completely retrain people on how to use iOS. Now that it has a completely different UI and different design, most of it's time with the uh, auto home button since launch. Which yeah, is crazy. So people are running have, out of stuff to remove. Yeah, people have been used to using the home button for 10 years if they were on the iPhone, right? Now mm-hmm. Apple has to work on trying to retrain and, and get better or get get them more familiar with the new type of and i think this is a a hint at what's to come right the future of the iphone is probably going to be this gesture type of interface instead of that home button i'm not sure when they will finally or where eventually phase all of it out but i think it's coming yeah and it's a it's confusing like when i if I was just given this device, I honestly would be like, how do I get back? How do, how do I get to the home screen? Or like, um, and some of the early tech reviewers have reported that like it, it is a bit of a learning curve at first. And those are for people who go through probably dozens of phones a month and dozens of phones and all of them. And it's just a completely different UI experience separated from not even just iOS, but from Android. The fact that they don't have a home button built into the screen and it's interesting to see that um 
touch ID is no longer a part of that because that was they always touted for years that their fingerprint technology was the fastest and the most accurate of all phones out there. And for a while it was. And it's just interesting to see them remove the technology when they could have easily just like turned the Apple logo in the back into a fingerprint sensor or something like that. Yeah. I um, it, it's it's funny. I was just discussing this the other day with somebody and how how one of the biggest reasons that Apple has seen such widespread success with the iPhone, you know, it's still, I mean, it's still making so much money, um, maybe not selling as many units, but still making so much money. It's in my mind, it's been a lot of it. Obviously I think it was like the cool thing when it first started, like, Oh, look, I have all this Apple stuff. I'm awesome. Um, and I think it's turned into the fact that it's so, the user experience is so easy. It's so simple. And the fact that they're doing such a grand change, such a grand switch is um, like you said, I mean, it's you're eliminating things that made it so easy to use to introduce new technologies, but you're really, you have to do this. You have to teach people how to use your, your technology now when again, for 10 years, it's been the exact, almost the exact same every single time. So it's, uh, it's funny that I was just having a discussion, not even related to the podcast about, Google, uh, I'm sorry, Android versus versus uh, iOS and and how simple the iOS was made on purpose. Uh, and now we have to reteach everyone. So it's kind of, it's it, it's pretty common thing to talk about, it's, especially with people who aren't even that heavy into technology as I was talking to about this yeah. in the first place. You can watch their guided tour video. It's like the first time that they had to do a, a guided tour for the original iPhone. They have... Um, says they released the the video, which is like a four and a half minute video where they go over all the basic gestures that buyers of the phone will have to perform. It's like kind of an homage back to, like I was saying, their original iPhone, which they had to train people how to use. So it truly is a new start for them in terms of their OS. And I wonder if they're going to completely phase over into this new gesture-based system for all of their devices next year or if they're going to continue offering that familiar form factor with touch ID to people in new latest generation devices. Cause I know that they're going to have this line going forward for the next, however many years, but it'll be interesting to see if this is their de facto UI for mobile going forward. And if maybe if even this kind of goes into the iPad a little bit too, this will be interesting to see if they do that. I would think that they would, if they can do away with the headphone jack, I think they could do away with the home button, but mm -hmm. it's very courageous. So while, um, so now, uh, iPhone X users might have extra time to actually watch that guy to learn about how to use their phone <laughs> because they can't actually activate their phone. So they just watch that guide while their activation servers are being fixed for, uh, certain telecom companies. Uh, there's been issues reported by AT&T, Verizon, and Sprint users. Uh, T-Mobile not in that list, so T-Mobile's not having issues, according according to the, this Verge article, uh, that the people are si seeing the message that, that it says activation server is temporarily unavailable um, for when they try to activate their uh, new iPhone 10. Yeah, so say meanwhile, John Leger is over there, like, fingers crossed, like, Yes, the plan. <laughs> the plan is executing as planned. It's probably John Leger DDoSing the everyone else's activation servers. Yeah. <laughs> He's mad because that merge didn't go through. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's been, uh, I'm not sure if it's because of the number of phones. I know there's been a lot of talks previously that um, 
what the stock is going to be available for the iPhone X is a lot of it was talk about how limited of a stock because they have trouble. Apple's going to have trouble manufacturing it. Uh, so I don't know if it's that those were actually not true and they sold quite a bit more than than the the these telecom companies were expecting so that everyone's hitting their activation servers all the same time um that's causing this issue um but yeah we're having this. No, man. they may have trouble with their activation servers but according to the picture at the top of the article that guy's definitely not having a problem missing all of his phone calls <laughs> <laughs> 200 missed calls <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> and over five and a half thousand missed emails. <laughs> five point two thousand missed emails. <laughs> that that stuff Like you check, gotta, your, check your phone calls. Or at least turn the, the little red thing off because you're not doing anything with it. Like the little the notification <laughs> don't just turn that off. You can turn it off in settings, it's easy. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it, it's a conspiracy theory. I think I know whose fault it might be that this is happening. Whose fault? It? It's it's someone involved at Best Buy because they are mad about the public outcry about them stealing an extra hundred bucks from everybody. Uh, yeah, it could have been. <laughs> like, no, you know what? Shut it down. No one's getting Shut it. The whole thing. No one can use the phone. Best now. Buy is the ringleader of the tech market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're the fancy bear bucks, of the activation servers. Yeah. Or it could be those uh, uh, robbers who stole uh, three hundred iPhone Xs from a UPS truck. Who? Trying to activate all those devices all at the same time could be that as well. Yeah, is it a DDoS if it's just that many people trying to activate iPhones? <laughs> that's some uh, crappy server right there. If it's three hundred iPhones, can take it down. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's another story. Uh, instance in this Sparge article: three husky men wearing hoodies. <laughs> from is this a dog-man hybrid? A husky man. <laughs> <laughs> And dog iPhone uh, broke into a UPS truck parked outside an Apple store in San Francisco and throw, stole over 300 iPhone X or 10 devices. Isn't, um, it, isn't it absurd that 300 of these things are worth $370,000? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. I was going to say that. I was like, it looks like a lot on the surface, but then you're like, yeah, it's only like 300, whatever. It's, it's only 300. You take 300 deal. phones and you can buy a house for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Irvin, it's okay. You can say iPhone X. You're among friends. You don't yeah. have to say two. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't oh, want no. to. Nah, dude, the, the YouTube commenters are going to troll him now. He can't do it. Yeah. It's, gonna be, it's the 10 that is the official name provided by our Lord and Savior, Tim Cook. But yeah, yeah. actually, that movie, so. that movie with Vin Diesel and it was actually called 30. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> oh, God. Ten men. Day, man. Day is ten machina. Ten men, yeah. Uh, yeah, ten men. <laughs> ten men. Uh, oh, that was perfectly timed. That's so why good. I get invited to the show every week. <laughs> For the weak humor. Oh, man. I'm actually surprised this doesn't happen more often. Yeah, it's not like people. It's it's not like it's hard to to figure out that UPS is dropping off stuff to tech places. Like it's, I'm I'm shocked this this hasn't happened more. I uh, I remember at my old employer there was a huge back and forth between 
myself and my corporate office over whose fault it was that I sent a box of devices. I'm sorry, a store sent a box of uh, smartphones to me. And then when I opened it, they were all missing. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, it wasn't $300,000 phones. It was, you know, whatever, uh, like four devices. Uh, and then I had a similar issue where I sent a box back to our warehouse and, um, and the phones were missing when they got there. They're like, yeah, it's just a box with nothing in it. Why would you send us that? I was like, I didn't. Are you crazy? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. I sent it with nothing. And it was like, no, there's, there's, there's a thousand dollars worth of stuff in there. Sure. Totally. Like it, I'm, of course, those are small examples, but I'm surprised that this doesn't happen more often where UPS just gets jacked for thousands and thousands. Yeah. I'm, so the uh, article is very succinct in its description, too, for, for like the whole event as it happened. I'm curious about two things here. Um, a, I didn't think they'd stock one truck with that much worth of like such small devices. Like if it's like, I don't know, like a, if you could fit into just like a, I don't know, a sedan or something like everything you're stealing, it's worth over a quarter million dollars. That seems like something you might want to think about before you pack the truck. And also saying that these thieves were tracking the truck and knew what was in it. So that also makes me think that some they had some insider help at UPS or they somehow got into a system where they could track where things were going. Uh, so might have bigger fish to fry than just some iPhones going missing here. I, I don't know how it works because, I mean, I've seen people like, like uh, again, when I used to work at GameStop, I'd be sitting there waiting for a uh, for a shipment to come in of say like a hard to find thing like the NES classic or the Wii U when it first came out and people would come in and be like, Oh yeah, I know that it's on the truck today. So I'm waiting. How, how do you know that? Like they're not looking to rob UPS. They just want to buy one, but they're like, yeah, I know that it's on its way today. I'm like, how, yeah. I don't even know that. They just a want lot a bowl. Of yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's tracking. I don't know if like someone's leaking, like, Hey, we use were released today or, you know, the resupplies are out. I don't know how it happens, but you're right. It's, it's, uh, if people who aren't even trying, you know, for nefarious means, if they're just trying to purchase something, if they have easy access to it and they know, imagine people who are, like you said, trying to, trying to steal these things from people. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy to think about. I mean, the, not, the truck was parked good. outside an Apple store too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah, a kind of dead so. giveaway. You just sit there and wait for them to, to yeah. be there a little bit longer than usual. And you're like, yep, here it is. Yep. In San Francisco, right near Apple's headquarters. So you know it's going to be full of iPhones is one of the most popular, like where people line up it's next to like uh, New York City or some somewhere else. People mm -hmm. line up. So you're expecting these Apple stores to get hundreds of devices on hand to give out on the day that it's released. Right. I'm, not, I'm not really sure where they go from here with this. If the serial numbers are cataloged, like, what do you do with that? Just sell it on the street. Be like, give me 50 bucks for this iPhone 10. <laughs> they actually did say that. Yeah. Since they are cataloged, it'll be tough for them to sell. So, um, and they, we'll that goes. um, there is a blacklist, uh, that, that, um, all the carriers here in the U S at least, uh, follow. So if that, that IMEI serial number is part of that blacklist, it'll refuse um, the activation. Wait, hold on. Maybe all those people who can <laughs> their phone actually are using the stolen one. <laughs> I, was, I had that same revelation. Oh, my God. I that think we just crazy. solved the case. Guys, <laughs> get ready for this. Okay, in 2018, there's going to be a Ben Affleck produced, directed movie about this. 
The I <laughs> 10 heist. San Francisco PD, we do take Venmo, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and not to discredit the San Francisco Police Department in any way, and I'm sure they're doing a good job at at this whole investigation, but the quote that was provided in this article was the most matter-of-fact and, like, unnecessary thing to state i think <laughs> they're like given the dollar value of the incident it appears it was planned it's like uh <laughs> like, like i don't, don't think say. they like walked by saw an open ups truck i'm like all right no let's, let's just takes my phone just like, let's go yeah, like, i was just gonna go get a coffee but might as well <laughs> <laughs> coffee truck full iphone tens i mean <laughs> like yes it was planned i i feel like that 100 percent was planned I happen to have this big white van with me today, and there's no tr- there's no driver in the truck. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's just, just a giant marker written "iPhone X." Yeah, sticking out of the the door. It's I mean, it's what else would you do? You know? it's like, yeah, wow, good get- thing I brought my Sprinter. I really need to get, need to take <laughs> these iPhones somewhere. There's a couple other good quotes in this article too. It appears the suspects knew what they were looking for, and the other one is, if you're going to purchase stuff, go to an actual store to purchase it. <laughs> it's all from the police department. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but not Best Buy. Not Best Buy. These <laughs> clearly San Francisco Police Department is anti Amazon. That's what I got out of this. <laughs> yeah. Again, these are just more problems with Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> They're against drugs. All these articles tie together in some way, guys. We got this. Right. It's like yeah. a it's like a, a quilt. Of news, <laughs> it is. <laughs> We're just weaving the quilt of uh, Silicon Valley news, but um, sorry. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of, <laughs> I can't even segue anymore. I'm just gonna go into the next <laughs> article. <laughs> Apple's sharing the the face mapping data from their iPhone 10s with third party app developers. This seems like one of those things that like, it's only getting as much news because it's sharing face data and not fingerprint data. Because I'm pretty sure that this is in the same way of them sharing Touch ID data with apps. So that way they can do kind of authentication to sign in. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm not sure how much of the data there actually is visible. But it's it's kind of like sort of going against what he said. Like, oh, this is the secure. We keep, keep all this data securely and we're not going to share it with third parties. But you're sharing with third of apps app developers which sort of makes sense if you're a developer because if you want let's say a banking app you want to authenticate and you were previously using touch id to authenticate yeah. to get that app now you have to use face id so you do have to share some data in between the app and the, and the sensors but it's i'm hoping that there's some com some sort of obfuscation in between that it's the iPhone itself doing that authentication and just letting giving the app a ping that yep that's the person who they say and the actual app developer is not actually seeing the raw data that the face ID is giving off which would be I think a, a big very oversight yeah it says all the information itself is encrypted but yeah. the data itself may may be used but I wonder how if this is going to be shared with like Snapchat or something like that I think that could be. Right. Yeah. Uh, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, to improve yeah. their... well, I don't know if Facebook yeah. needs Apple's help identifying faces at this right, point. They already have it. It's literally yeah. called Facebook. Like, uh, <laughs> But I was wondering the same thing. I th- I'd like to think that Irvin's, I mean, in terms of authenticating, I think that they would just take like a, 
and like a, a me- like a message from the OS that says, yeah, this this is the right person. Because I mean, apps. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago too with fingerprints inside an app. Like I was using financial apps. We were talking about how secure that is. I would assume it's the same thing. Like the it's not like they're sending it to that app and saying, let's check this fingerprint for this guy. Like I, I wouldn't think they would do that. But I guess right. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's called Face ID, not face everything about your life is collected in this device like it could be that they're just like you said using it just for purely authentication purposes and hey, i think that's what it is i want to comment too i mean there is a workaround here guys and they they quoted this when they talked about this in september if you are worried about this you could just opt out of face id aka you just buy the iphone 10 for the different screen with no home button you just yeah. using that pin face that's id who needs it you know yep it's easy. Just say no. Yep. That's it. I wonder how many people are going to put like a tape thing over it. Like they do oh. with laptops. Probably a lot. <laughs> yeah. I never understood that when people put like tape or like a, a cover over their phone's front camera because nobody tells them that they also have a magnometer, a barometer, an altimeter, a gyroscope, and not only that, but a rear camera. <laughs> or like a microphone. Yeah, microphone. Yeah, not even just like the sensors in the phone. If you do not want to be sensed, then do not get a smartphone. Otterbox is going to be releasing a Faraday chamber phone case (laughs) where it kills off all the sensors on the device. Two references to Faraday in one episode. I love it. Yeah. If you can throw in a Tesla coil in here somewhere, I'll be really impressed. I'm a great scientist. Both of them. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you guys saw the... uh, the part about the restrictions that are already in place for this um so the apple has threats of you know enforcement and banning uh people from the app store if they violate their terms on the uh, on sharing the the face id data mm-hmm. uh, they say that data can never be used for advertising or marketing and it cannot be bundled and sold to analytics companies or data brokers um, it also bans developers from creating profiles or otherwise anonymous users by uh, using identifying facial capture information. Um, they cite their rig- you know, how strict they are on their app review process uh, and then their hardline stance on privacy issues, um, again, resulting in bans from the app store. So basically, it's they're, they're telling people like, hey, listen, we have all these things in place and we double check everything before it goes to the market to make sure they're following these rules. If they're not following these rules, we're kicking them out. So, I mean, it's they are giving you a little bit of, uh, of, of an explanation of how, or a little bit more uh, to make you more comfortable with the, with them using this data. But like Irvin said, I mean, it's, it's going against what they said initially that they weren't going to share it. So it's, okay. um, but I also completely agree with the, if you don't want it and you feel uncomfortable, don't freak out about it. Just say no. Instead, it's right. super easy. Yeah. It's all, I mean, don't use a four digit one, use a six digit one. Cause that's safer. Yep. Yeah. Or use exponentially. We're using actual passcode that you type out instead of just numbers. Yeah, that's what I, I do. But um, no means no. Yeah, so it's all kind of circles into targeted advertising in general. And I used to do some research when I was in um, going to my college for um, like environmentally aware media display platforms. Um, which like basically my, my kind of take on it was to use a camera and be like, oh, there's a lot of tall people here. Let's put an ad up for big and tall, you know, like, or something like that. This is getting to the point where like between Facebook and like your phone, like face ID and things of that nature. I hope it stays away from this, but it could really get to the point where if like, I don't know, a lot of big 
sales companies get into this game, it could be where when you walk somewhere, it's like, this guy was just researching all this. Let's try and sell him it right now because he's here. Or mm-hmm. I, I, I would hope that the, comp- like the companies involved and parties involved handle this responsibly because that's a slippery slope to go down. And um, really, if we're being honest, if they decide someday where they can get it through legislation, where it's okay to do that, we don't really... I don't really know what we can do to stop that or if people will take steps to do that. Taking it a step further, I could even see like targeted advertising through like AR. Yeah. Stuff like that. I could see it happening where, excuse me, you see some of these things arise where it's not, it's not widespread yet. And then the public outcry is so negative towards it that they just find a different way to integrate it or a different, like, like we hated pop-up ads, but then they were just like, well, let's just put 30 seconds at the beginning of a video and see if people complain. And it's like, ah, well, we patiently wait there 30 seconds for it to go by. It's like we stopped complaining. So I think it's, you'll see some things, the public outcry will be so bad and they'll find a new way to go about advertising using this data. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's unavoidable. I mean, advertising is such a huge part of the internet uh, money-wise and how people make money on- online. It's, it's a... Uh, like you said, I mean, it's 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 almost unavoidable, uh, but you hope that the public outcry will be uh, great enough that they find a more responsible way to do well, it. There's a simple solution to that. We talked about it before. Uh, JavaScript Bitcoin mining in your web browser in yeah. place of advertising. Yeah, it's true. I could see that being an alternative as well, which would be probably a good outcome. Like you go into a website where instead of it's like, hey, this website uses cookies. It's like, hey, this website um, would like to use your web browser to mine JavaScript and in return, you won't see ads on this website. It's kind of like paying for the ads in yeah. a way, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's... I, should, I love that idea. Um, I rather trade CPU cycles than actually view ads because ads just horrible. Ads are awful Either and time is money. Ads are or ads get better, which I don't see that happening. <laughs> Any, they just keep getting worse and worse. Yeah. Well, it's like I, I brought up this when we talked about that Bitcoin mining in the beginning, like. Turn off JavaScript and see what happens to your web browser. Like yeah. it's unusable. Yeah. So like they're doing it anyway. They might as well use it to take away advertising from me. So we'll see. We'll see where yeah. it goes. And and then you can always leave the option there. So people, like we said, people seem to be really uncomfortable when the term Bitcoin is even used and mining and stuff like that. People get really uncomfortable. So you give the option. Hey, the the only pop up on the website is, hey, would you? Would you like us to show you advertisements or we could do this either way? You know, that's how we make. And, you know, I mean, people would have to do is getting next level, but people would have to do releases and explain these things. And I think um, people like us or uh, people even with with more of attraction, more of a following, uh, letting people know what that means when it starts to happen. Make sure that the public is educated on on what exactly is going down um, is going to be important to that becoming a possibility in the future because people understand ads they've seen ads since the and heard ads since the advent of audio and video in the home it's so it's that's what people are used to um so introducing this new medium to not only the people making the money off of it but the people who are avoiding these advertisements that we hate so much is uh is going to be and, and the education behind it is going to be really important yeah and usually like to, to bring it back to the apple stuff like this even goes into security too. So like you guys were saying, have a longer pin code or use a password or say no to the face ID. Like typically the easier it is, the easier a technology is, usually the less secure it is. So 
if people are that concerned about security or they are that concerned about keeping their information to themselves, whether it's to prevent targeted advertising or just to feel safer with a brand new device, um, use a pin code, use a password. Don't let them collect that face ID. Don't let them collect your fingerprint, whatever. Um, that's the way that someone can get around that type of stuff or if they want to take action now, because we don't have Bitcoin advertising in place of, or Bitcoin mining in place of ads and stuff like that. So, yeah, and it's a shame because a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, see that feature and they're like, oh, well, this is the reason I'm getting the phone. I need this feature. It's so cool. But mm -hmm. don't you use the data, even though I'm giving it to you voluntarily because there's other options. It's, it's a catch 22 a lot of times where the public wants the thing that you told them that they want, but they don't want you to do anything with it. Well, it's, I right. mean, it, it does, it can't go, you can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. You either right. avoid the thing that they can use and like, don't give it to them or you give it to them and they're going to use it. It's right. It's one or the other. They need to, I mean, they're a huge corporation. They don't, I guess they don't quote unquote need to make money, but their job is to make as much money as possible. So they're going to use every little bit, bit of data that they have to do so. And that's the dangerous thing too. They're like, they, the difference between the fingerprint and this is it's your face and not your fingerprint. There's a lot more you can do with a face than you can a fingerprint in terms of advertising and generating revenue. Yeah. So, see where it goes. Yes, so. Yeah. We have one more Apple story. Well, I know you yeah. uh, revenue. Heavy, Apple heavy uh, this first, uh, second half. But uh, we have one that um, could be really huge, a huge milestone in, in the history of, of public stocks and, and companies in the world. Right. So Apple uh, only needs $20 a share um, uh, increase for from it being the first trillion dollar company. That is Undone. unprecedented. And that is pretty much all due to the iPhone. Yeah. That, that, that it's that, that, is even possible because if you look back before i know the ipod was huge before that but the the iphone just took this company to another level kind of ridiculous um it's like there's there's like not even really much there's like no words to describe like that's never been done before in any way and they did completely redefine an entire industry with the creation of the iPhone. And this is kind of the culmination of that success. And you can say what you want about where they're at now, but this is a, a this is insane. Like I can't even like what would be the assets of the whole company if their shares alone are worth one trillion? Like this is the most expensive company in the world in yep. human history. As it stands, and they also have more uh, cash on hand than any other company. They yeah. have more cash on hand than oh, small nations. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> then then Bezos after selling them shares, he's you know it's got. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like a lot of the stuff that we can talk about uh, regarding this is basically going to be a a love fest, just like we did when the anniversary of uh, the original iPhone hit and. Thompson, you were really, you were really big on the praise and how impressive it is, and how much they changed the landscape uh, when we talked about that in pre in a previous episode. But I mean, that's that's basically, I mean, that's the only thing you can say is how impressive of a feat this is going to be. How how um, it's the word? I mean, 
how we've touched on it all already, just how much they changed the landscape. It's how much right. different the world is now. It's, you know, we didn't evolve from blackberries. They introduced a whole new thing that really changed the landscape of technology. If you had told somebody 15 years ago that a cell phone company would be the first trillion dollar industry in like 2000 or 2002, like they would have called you a liar and laughed in your face. Or they would have right. thought that the, the price of a MIDI ringtone skyrocketed. <laughs> yeah like it's think, it's some uh go ahead i think them charging a thousand dollars a phone was kind of pre-built to project them into that trillion dollar market yeah yeah it definitely helps i mean if yeah if you, if you steal 300 and it costs three hundred seventy thousand dollars, <laughs> so it's you know it's a decent chunk of change now i have a question for you guys who do you think the next trillion dollar company will be assuming apple is the first which they're not far off anyway, but who do you think the next trillion dollar company will be? Amazon. Amazon. Yep. Amazon. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say as well. Yeah. Say if it's not Amazon, it's probably Google. That would be my, that would be my I, guess. I don't know who next closest is at the moment. You guys think uh, Amazon is going to be the next one? Yeah. I definitely don't think it's going to be yeah. Macy's. You <laughs> 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 make a comeback. <laughs> The next one uh, right now is Google. That's the what I figured. Yeah, because they're... But Amazon has so much potential to pass. They're almost, they're almost worth less than half of what Google is, though. Yeah. They're at like 400. I think it's in the 400 billions. Google, I think, mm -hmm. is in... Last time I checked, like 700 billion, something like that. It's going to depend on yeah. where they go. We'll see. Yeah, but it'll be it'll be interesting because I'm it's they're they're almost a shoe in right now. Apple for the first trillion dollar industry they with the, the, the devices that they've hinted at coming down the line, such as the HomePod um, and the updated Mac Pro and updates to their line. It's only a matter of time before that stock goes up before they have another big product that comes out. So twenty dollars is not a lot. If every if every shareholder gives Apple twenty dollars. And maybe, just maybe, they'll be a trillion dollar company today. <laughs> today. <laughs> but I don't know. It's something that I'm I'm curious to see and we'll be following um, as the news develops. So, but it's exciting stuff. The first trillion dollar company. Like, there's no words. <laughs> but... Um, with that, uh, I think we want to sort of end it, end this episode on a, a sort of a lighter note. I know Jeff put this article in and I found it hilarious. <laughs> Listen, Irvin, you uh, might find this a lighter note, but I take this very seriously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, you want to explain to the audience what, what this article is listen, talking about? To anyone living in Australia or with any affiliation with Australia, I have some dire news for you. Um, Australia's plan to bring fiber optic broadband internet um, is experiencing some difficulties. And it's, it's pretty serious. Um, it's not happening with active cables, I'd like to say, that are you know running this fiber because luckily um, they have plastic cages to protect these cables. But cables with loose ends are being just decimated by cockatoos. 
<laughs> this is not a joke. <laughs> the the this cockatoo, is not a yeah, a cockatoo, which is a bird. Um, if you don't know, which is in Australia, um, likes to go and just mess with these, uh, you know, exposed cables. Um, they're doing it to wear down their their beaks, which continually grow. Um, and it's it's costing about eight thousand U.S. dollars right now to replace the cables that have been damaged. So pretty serious. Um, you know, maybe Jeff Bezos could throw some money their way to help out with this crisis. <laughs> <laughs> those cockatoos just love those steel braided cables. This is an interesting topic, though, about damage to infrastructure by animals. They have some some statistics down at the bottom. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> In August alone, there were 51 service outages caused by animal incidents across 23 U.S. states and eight other countries. 20 were caused by squirrels. Those are your big players, the squirrels. Uh, 16 by birds, three by rats, two by snakes, two by raccoons, one by a cat, one by a bobcat, and five were caused by an unreported animal. So I'm thinking either Bigfoot or Chupacabra, one or the other. Could be Chupacabra, guys. Don't count them out. All right. Me. What about flying squirrels? Those are even more dangerous than normal squirrels. Maybe, man. <laughs> so, um, could have been a werewolf for all I know. It could have. What about dragons? Gotta watch out for those too. Uh, Service outage has been caused by a dragon. You know what? But, you know who I'd like to get on the show is this guy. His name is <laughs> not kidding here. His name is Chris. His nickname in quotes in the middle is Space Rogue. Thomas said in his <laughs> said at his presentation at January's ShmooCon in Washington D.C. that furry feathered and scaled attackers, which number in the hundreds each year, pose a vastly larger threat to the world's critical infrastructure than cyber attacks. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you heard about that Reaper botnet, but you really should be worried about the squirrel outside your window. This guy's beard rivals Kyle's. It's amazing. Could it be Kyle in the future or from the future? He's from Philadelphia. What? This guy is from Whoa. Philadelphia. Maybe we should try and set up something with this guy. What is happening? Maybe. Yes, we should. Space road. <laughs> I'm okay with uh, my, one of my favorite quotes of the whole article is uh, th- so Australia's national broadband network, the NBN, is who's uh, who's who's being quoted here. A representative from the NBN told the BBC, "That's Australia for you. If the spiders and snakes don't get you, the cockies will." <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Australia is a deadly country. It, it is. is. It's oh, not man. a place where fiber is welcome, apparently. It's, it's dangerous down there. I love this boys. picture. This picture too in the article. It's it's a picture of a cockatoo on a tree, and the the the, yeah, the caption for it is, "I'm in your tower, now I'm in your internets." <laughs> <laughs> it's great, uh, but not a laughing matter. No. What's in the words of Chris Space Rogue Thomas, this is a bigger threat than cyber attacks. So, watch out for your cockatoos. Keep them caged. <laughs> Make sure you listen to future me. Apparently, cause... yes, yes. And my I'm my little here. my little show note note for this was there are cock too many birds. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah. So Any, anytime someone brings up uh, any sort of animal uh, attack, I always think of the Walking Dead scene where uh, where Marl takes two of the guys from the governor's camp out to hunt. And then he shoots one of them in the back of the head. But right beforehand, he yells, 
did you hear that bird? And then they all look and he shoots them in the back of the head. So that's what, <laughs> that's the, as soon as you said there's too many birds, I was like, did you hear that bird? <laughs> all right. But, we'll watch it together so you guys laugh harder later. Don't worry. That sounds okay. good, Kyle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with that somber, somber note of very sad news, I think that unless anybody has any closing pointers and or tips on avoiding cockatoos, I think that brings the end to episode 26 of Industry 4.0. Anybody have any closing notes or anything gotta, they'd like to plug before we before the plugs? The I just want to do a quick recap. And say, okay, uh, you know, some some serious comments to go to cockatoos. Um, protect yourself against phishing schemes. Be wary of uh, suspicious emails. Um, be careful with your smartphones. Don't drop it. Pricey bill if you do. And the most serious of all, uh, please, please, please. Put your cheese on top of your burger when you make it or else you're just gonna have a public outcry okay thanks thanks for letting me have that little minute you're welcome but if anybody wants to plug anything they're currently working on say it now or forever hold your peace i don't hold my peace so i'll get my plug out there uh episode music as always is a collection of beats by jbuds uh, you can find me on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash thejbones. And uh, yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think. So uh, I've been plugging a <clears throat> a wrestling podcast uh, almost every single episode. Uh, I I won't officially call it dead, but it's been a while since we've done it. Uh, so I'm going to start a new solo one. Be on the lookout soon. I'll, I'll let you guys know officially when it does start. It's going to feature me and my 10-year-old son. I think it's going to be a unique perspective. Um, an adult fan who understands the behind the scenes. And a 10-year-old who, like, even though he kind of knows that it's planned ahead of time, still gets wrapped up in the, uh, in the competition aspect of it. Um, it it'll be really cool. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm more doing it just for us to have to look back on later, but feel free to check it out if you want. We're going to be calling it Fishing for Heat. Uh, last name Fisher, and then Heat is a wrestling term if you did an explanation. Uh, you can reach out to us on here, and I'll give it to you. So. Nice. Looking forward to that. Thanks. Yeah. As am I. Brian, Irvin, anything from you guys? Yeah, if you want to follow some photography that I do on the side just for Fun, look at cool pictures you can check out my instagram if you'd like it's instagram.com slash irvin.lucas e-r-v-i-n-l-u-k-a-c-s i've been posting daily for about two weeks now trying to keep that up um so if you're looking for some cool pics with some relevant quotes underneath them uh check those <laughs> i look good <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at WayneRines21 for some photography. And I have a new Facebook page up. It's called Rain Media, W-R-A-Y-N-E. Um, you can find some sample photography there. Awesome stuff. stuff. Yeah, I plug that like every day to all my friends because it's so good. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Both guys, impressive stuff. Keep up the good work, guys. Yeah. Um, but with that, you can find us on all of the big social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Industry 4.0, all spelled out. Um, you can find us uh, basically on any of your favorite podcasting services. You can get our RSS feed, if not, and add it to it. Um, we are available on iTunes, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, um, basically anywhere that quality podcasts are distributed in. At this point, I feel like any of our viewers are comfortable enough to know where to find us or to point all your favorite friends to your favorite podcast. Um, but with that being said, this has been episode 26, and we will see you guys in the next one. <laughs>